Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 603. com. Uh, that's where you get tickets and info for my upcoming stand-up tour in 2015 called Fun Comfortable. So come on out and join me. I'll be going to a bunch of cities, and I'll be adding more cities. So if you don't see a city that is near you, then by all means, uh, wait a beat, and then I will be added. So there you go, funcomfortabletour.com. Please, please come out. Rachel Melvin, whom I saw in Dumb and Dumber 2, I was like, she's really funny. Who is this girl? And so uh, I tweeted at her and said, hey, you were really funny in Dumb and Dumber. And she said, hey, thanks. Uh, I enjoy your work. And I said, well, then you should enjoy it uh, and by being a part of it and come on the podcast. And so she did. And we had a great time. Rachel Melvin, look out for that name. You're going to be seeing it more. She's going to be big, I tell you. Big, I tells you. So she is on Twitter at the Rachel Melvin. Um, go follow her and say nice things. And uh, Dumb and Dumber is two is out right now uh, in theaters. Uh, so take your bodies to that place. That's uh, not your laptop or your phone, but actually a theater with a giant screen that you can enjoy things in the community of other human beings, which is, is a lost art. So go enjoy that. The Nerdist Podcast, number 603, right now, is with Rachel Melvin. Now entering Nerdist.com. Unless you were a sushi chef, you could just make that. Yeah, I know. I've actually made sushi at my house sometimes. What? I have. And how did that go? Um, I thought that was very dangerous to do if you're not a sushi chef. Well, it's dangerous if you don't know where to get the fish. Okay. But I talked to... This was so weird. I was like at Sur La Table buying sushi stuff, and the, the, I was talking to this Asian guy, and he was like, I could tell you where to go. I'm like, great. <laughs> so he told me to go to this uh, Asian market in Little Tokyo, and it's like so cheap. But they have like this... They have... I can't say this word. Sashimi mm-hmm. grade fish. That's amazing. And it's like five bucks. That's 
I need to don't say it on the pod. We've already started recording. Don't say it on the podcast because oh. you'll give it away. Okay. <laughs> and then everyone will know and then, and then they'll jack their prices up. Yeah. Uh, I'm wearing TV makeup still. I'm very sorry about that. I didn't have time to take it off. It's okay. I judged you at first, but I'm over it now. Okay, good. I, I'm just. I just. <laughs> Wanted to just get that on the table, so just make it more comfortable for us, <laughs> so that you didn't the whole time be like. If it makes you feel better, I threw on makeup last minute because she kind of indicated maybe I should. What? <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. I like. I had a for date. this for this audio podcast. Well, I I don't know. It's good to look presentable, I guess. I just kind of am overdoing my hair and makeup. No, you you look great. Hey, uh, especially uh, but no one will see us. It's okay. Uh, because it's not it's an audio <laughs> podcast, but this was uh getting you on the show was uh one of those fun Twitter moments where yeah. I saw your movie and I thought you were great in it, so Thank I just you. said, "Oh, Rachel Mom was really great." And then you responded and uh so I just sent you a direct message. I'm like, "Come on the podcast." What did I respond to you with? Uh, fuck Please. off, creep. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's uh, not what I said. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Please fuck off, creep. No, I said I was a big fan, and I am, and I think you're very funny. Oh, and thanks. Your compliment meant a lot to me. Well, no, please. It was it was very nice because I I don't know for whatever reason I just and I apologize, but I just wasn't I, I wasn't familiar with you before. But I feel like we have friends in common. You're not alone, so don't worry. But, but I feel like that'll change. Yeah, hopefully. Well, I feel like I've known you for a while because I watched you, you know, do the roundtable guest stuff on Chelsea Handler. Oh, right, right, right. I don't want to say this in case I'm wrong, but correct me if I'm wrong. You hosted a while ago The Soup, did you not? I hosted, well, I guest hosted The Soup a handful of times, but I hosted a spinoff of The Soup called Web Soup. Which was that's what it was. Which was like the soup, but for web videos. But I saw you on both. Yes, so I've done and both. I always thought you were very funny. I appreciate that. Thank no you problem. very much. No problem. Um, and then, uh, uh, so I went when I went to see the URL on your Twitter bio is the Spotted Owl blog. Yeah, yeah, which is really rad. Thank you. I uh, just made it. It's it's fantastic. Thank you. And it's so it's basically. Uh, it's basically a lifestyle. I mean, it's not a. Is it a? Is it a fashion blog or just a lifestyle? Um, like, well, kind of how it happened was, I felt like everybody had a blog. I feel like nowadays, literally, I was with my friend who's also a blogger, and we we're taking pictures over at Melrose Place. And this girl comes out, and she's like, "Are you a blogger?" And I go, <laughs> "I feel like this is the new Are you an actor mm-hmm. thing in LA? Like everyone's a blogger." Um, and that's kind of why I created it because I thought it was just so funny to kind of like. Very in a very tongue-in-cheek way, make fun of blogs. Yes. But also, like, kind of join in on the fun. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's a lifestyle book. I call it a comedic lifestyle blog because I write about things that I find interesting that maybe other people will um, in a very light and fun way. I make fun of myself a lot because it's very easy to do. Oh, <laughs> um, come on. No, I mean, like, it's so funny. I, I'll try these recipes. And I also feel like when, when people do blogs, like, everything always seems so perfect and easy to do. And then when you do it, you're, like, tearing your hair out in the kitchen because yes. it's not easy at all. No. Um, so I kind of shed light on that and, and kind of make the imperfections fun. That's sort of um, uh, Ikea instruction syndrome. Oh, my God. They're the worst. Or it's just, like, a thing and an arrow to a hole. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't... Why, are you doing why don't this I understand to me? this? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, Sweden's trying to distract us so that they can then invade. Yeah, probably. And they'll invade with giant L shaped wrenches. <laughs> uh, How many of those do you have, by the way? I've got like 12 in my toolbox. I had a drawer of them. Well, you know, I just moved into a new house. 
Congratulations. Thank you very much. You're so I, welcome. I, 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 I've owned the house for two years, but I spent a year and a half fixing it up. And I don't mean me personally with a hammer and nails. I hear you. Uh, I paid skilled individuals to do the things that I am incompetent uh, to do. But, um, uh, but this time I didn't buy any IKEA furniture. I actually... I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing a lot of... Uh, you did grown-up furniture this time? Grown-up furniture. Congratulations. It's, actually it's a very been, proud moment. It's been really fun. I've been going... Well, I, I've been working with a designer who's been amazing, but I go to antique stores and antique malls every weekend. Dude, salvaging and antique shopping is like the my fucking jam. Best. It's so much fun. And I live yeah. right by the Melrose Fairfax Trading Post. So like every weekend, I'm like dying to go. And it's always the same stuff, but I can't get enough of it. I know. And I feel like that one in particular... It's at Fairfax High School. Yeah. Um, they, at a certain point, a lot of like legit vendors, like legit stores, started showing stuff there. And it's like, well, now yeah. they're just like, for, like so it's some lost. of the it's, charm had lo- yeah. lost, and you weren't sifting through like old milk crates of yep. sconces and stuff. But yeah. um, there's still some cool ones. I actually, I'm lifting my beanie because I feel like I'm yelling, and sometimes it muffles my hearing. <laughs> um, no, Why but you're so mad all of a sudden. I know, right? You're <laughs> so angry. Um, I, there's a, there's this one guy there that I actually started following on Instagram because he is not there all the time, but he like will take pictures of what he has and it's like authentic vintage stuff. Like he had a really cool old bread box that I really wanted, but it was gone by the time I got there. He's got like old flags that have like really cool stories. Um, he's fun and and he's got so much stuff that I mean you could literally spend two hours in just that tiny little vendor area I gotta find that guy yeah I should show you some pictures at some point of just old stuff old cool stuff that I put put in the house I bet well it's made so much better I feel like than things are made these days well every I like that everything you know like every piece before this process I just thought oh I just wish someone would just put a bunch of furniture in the house and I wouldn't have to worry Mm -hmm. about it it was a lot of pressure uh, and, and by pressure, I mean a luxury problem, uh, <laughs> but, but it was, you know, like I wanted everything to feel good. Like I wanted it to feel nice. And now the house has a real personality to it and every piece is like handpicked and uh-huh. it's almost all of it's old. And it has a story. And it has, a, it, yeah. I mean, some of the stories I may not know, but. So others you make them up. I just make them up. It's like that episode of Friends where Rachel would get everything from Pottery Barn and tell Phoebe that it had some elaborate story. <laughs> I was a big fan of Friends. It was a good show. It was so funny. So have you seen it recently though? No. Well, kind of. I, I always see the same. Here's the thing. I didn't watch the last two seasons, um, and I don't remember why it, it wasn't. Didn't want it to be over. <laughs> maybe. Yep. Maybe. But I. I'm glad I didn't because I feel like. You know, Seinfeld walked away at the perfect time, mm-hmm. and I feel like Friends was always good, but it kind of petered off, I think. But what are they going to do, not take a million dollars an episode know, for the last two I years? I know, right? So they kind of had to... Good I problem think, to have. Like, oh, yeah, maybe these may be the best episodes, but <laughs> this uh, 22 mil a year is, yeah, uh, takes the That would be off. so nice, wouldn't it? I, I would not be the worst thing in the world. God, because it's such a fun job in the first place. But I think I, think I always watch like the same episodes... I mean, I, I get the question that you're asking. Like when you watch it recently, it's like kind of like the, the comedy was very... Of its time. Yes. And it look, and, and if you haven't seen it since the 90s, at the time it looked very normal. But when you right. look back, you're like, oh my God, cardigan vests? Like it looks so... <laughs> I mean... And also the laugh tracks. Because I think tracks. we're so exposed now to like the one camera comedy. 
that like, at least I, I, that's what I watch a lot of. Um, the laugh tracks were very distracting to me. Like I never noticed them before. And now I'm like, don't tell me where to laugh. I'll laugh where I damn well please. It's weird. Yeah. Well, you know, we've, we've broken free of the chains of, of traditional media. And now we can choose to laugh at any time. That we, we think is funny on our own. Yeah, exactly. Which so, is so freeing. <laughs> if we don't feel like laughing when Chandler's like, could I be any more of a cardigan vest? Like, we don't, <laughs> we, have, we can make the choice now. Yeah. I think it'd be fun to take an episode of Friends and just drop all the laugh tracks out and just see what see kind what's of. See what's actually landing? Surreal. Yeah. Yeah, that would actually be very cool. And then you have, you have like, so the other show I grew up with was Seinfeld. And that, I know people argue back and forth on this, but I still feel like the comedy translates like through every decade since it's been off the air. Like I, I still feel like you can watch it and it's just as funny. I agree. And the, the main reason being that, um, cause we've had Seinfeld writers on the podcast before and the way that that show worked was that you had to go in as a writer and pitch things that actually happened to you. Oh, that's so, great. So rather than writing the classic, like how can we, what sort of crazy sitcom misunderstandings, you had that that's why the show was so special because the stories were very specific and 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 very human because they actually happened to people right. i mean of course they embellish for comedy's sake uh, but but in general like a lot of that stuff ha- you know every ep- most of the episodes happened to someone yeah. in the writers that's room. like sex in the city and that's like another greatest sitcom to me it's not sitcom it's comedy but i mean it's a yeah it's it my is favorite. a it is a situation yeah ladies, it's a situational comedy four ladies are in, in a yeah. situation who was i talking <laughs> Every week? to i was talking to someone hmm, i was talking about someone this recently I, I hit them with the theory that i've said many times on this podcast which is uh if you watch ferris bueller's day off uh, from the point of view of Fight Club, that uh, Ferris is Cameron Fry's Tyler Durden, and it totally changes the movie. That he that he that that Ferris is all an extension of Cameron Fry's uh-huh. subconscious. So when you watch a movie that way, it's really fun. And someone goes, "Yeah," and I always like to watch Sex in the City. Like the other three friends are just extensions of Carrie's personality. Like, oh my God, she's that's a writer. Funny. Right. So she's written these three other completely different. They're just like sections of her id. Uh-huh. And she's, uh, and she's expressing this, but really she's a very lonely woman living in New York. That's pretty funny. Then it's kind of, then it totally changes. And then it makes like the salsa music even funnier <laughs> up top. Did you ever watch it? Be honest. Yes, yes that's a yes. I never saw any of the movies, but I did. I did. That's watch okay. It. That's okay. Yeah, the, the series is more important. I did. I did watch it, and I, and I liked it. I liked the episodes that I saw. Every guy that I, that has seen it has said it's good. I still cannot get my boyfriend to freaking watch an episode. Well, he's then, like, I will, and I'm like, okay, let's watch it. He's like, mm. here's how you do that: <laughs> you pack a bag, <laughs> you go. You're either going to sit down and prove to me that you're committed to this relationship. An ultimatum. I or like the way you think. I am fucking walking out. I am dead serious. <laughs> Watching me <Just>, like, okay. <laughs> just like uh, Kristen's, whatever her name is, character, Charlotte, did an episode and then you like tie it to. I totally ran into her in an elevator. This was like, I think I'd been out here for four years. She's in an elevator and I... I I cannot believe I said this. I look at her, I go, I just watched you on my TV. <laughs> and then I went into my car and I was like, you idiot. <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing. Cause she, she was trying to be so nice. She just smiled. She's like, Oh, like, what are you supposed to say to that? I felt so dumb. You should say not in sex in the city. I've put cameras around your house and <laughs> I'm monitoring your every I'm move. I'm big brothering you and you don't know it. <laughs> you don't even know. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, yeah, actually, I don't. I, I actually kind of like Sex and City, but I just didn't see any of the movies. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so what what other stuff did you watch? God, growing up, I I feel like. So I, I, we were watching The Simpsons for a while, and then they said hell, so we were no longer allowed to watch it. Oh, your family cut that off? <laughs> yeah, which is so funny, because if you knew my family, it's like every other word out of our mouth is fuck. Really? <laughs> I, I like made sure I could swear on this podcast, yeah, by the way, because yeah. it is our family's favorite word. Well, you can't say hell because, right, you know, it's the forbidden. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, but I remember my mom was just like, I think she had one of those moments now. She was a very young mom. And is a very young mom. And I feel like uh, now that I'm kind of the age that she probably was when we were watching that. No, it couldn't have been. I'm not good at math. But anyway, she was young is the point. And I think that she thought, oh, is a, this makes me a bad mom. Not necessarily that she believed it. Right. But she felt like, oh, my kids shouldn't be watching something where they say hell. That being said, like I started watching Friends when I was 10. And sure. then we were watching Seinfeld around the same time. So I was watching that with The Simpsons and... Um, Saturday Night Live, we watched a lot. My sister and I actually used to write our own sketches. And then my mom had this piano and we would use a piano bench as like the uh, weekend update. That's amazing. <laughs> it was very cool. I, you know, I think that my parents recorded it, but at the same time, I'm worried they didn't. <laughs> but like we would sit there like Indian style pretending like the piano bench was our, what do you call it? Desk. The desk. And we would like reenact these sketches or do like our weekend updates. It was pretty pretty funny from what I remember. You have to find out if if your mom has that. I know there needs to be footage available because that would be huge. It would be very funny, and you would have to put that in Spotted Owl blog. Yeah, <laughs> I would. Oh, speaking of, this is very cool. So we had the premiere last Monday, and of Dumb and Dumber Two. Yes, of Dumb and Dumber Two. And my sister, my whole family was there. They're they're lunatics, but I love them. And um, my sister put together this video of the like premiere in a nutshell, and it was really impressive. I don't even know what program she used, but she sent it to us. And so it's going to be featured on the blog tomorrow, actually. What? Yeah, it's pretty funny. It gives you an inside look into my family. Is she an editor? <laughs> no, she's a teacher, which is like... Then she used iMovie. She must have. Mm-hmm. She must have. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> she literally did it. I mean, they live in Northern California, so I'm thinking she did it to keep herself occupied on the drive back up. Right. But I mean, she... They left at like nine or 10 in the morning. And by four o'clock, I had this email in my inbox and I watched it. And I was like, this is actually really impressive. This also tells me that your sister does not get motion sickness by looking at something. Oh my in God. Car. Do you get car sick? Yes. I get car sick so much. And I fall for it every time I'll be sitting and I'll be in a passenger in a car and I'll be rifling through something on the phone. All of a sudden I'll be like, I don't feel good oh, yeah. uh, because I'm looking at my phone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I can't send texts, which is a good thing. Yeah. But like I I get so sick. And yesterday we did Good Morning San Diego. Um, Steve Tom is a co-star of mine. And I had a car drive me there and back. And like, oh, well, all the like way. A, yeah, it's like a two and a half, three hour drive, depending on traffic, sometimes four. And I got on set and I was like, I need to put something in my stomach immediately or I'm going to be dry heaving in the bathroom. Because <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't eaten anything. I woke up at like four in the morning. Well, let me just recommend the last time I had to go to San Diego was uh, about two weeks ago. And I hosted a, a, a corporate event and I flew and it was great. Yeah, that's the way to go. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Took off from Van Nuys Airport, landed at San Diego Airport. I didn't even know Van Nuys had an airport. They do. (laughs) Did did, did the gig, got back on a plane, flew back. I I left, I walked out of the convention center in San Diego, which was very odd to see it not Comic-Con'd up. Yeah, Yeah, I I was going to say. I walked out of there at 9.30. I was in my house by 11 in Los Angeles. That's incredible. Awesome. 
That's so very I, cool. I highly recommend that. The plane was basically an SUV with wings. Like, I, it, <laughs> where I was sitting, you could put your feet up where the pilot was. But, but it was great. 20 minutes. I want to do that next you time. You should. I'm going to look into it. Demand that Good Morning San Diego fly you next time. And <laughs> I'd be like, please, unless you want me showing up very ill on your set again. And if they, if they refuse, then you pack a bag and you threaten to leave them. That's, be <laughs> that is, that's how you deal with life, isn't it? I'll break I like up it. with you, Good Morning San Diego, <laughs> and it's not going to be a very good morning for you. That's really funny. I might have to adopt that little tactic. <laughs> just, start, just start breaking up. <laughs> just with, have a bag. Just start packed. breaking up with people that you're not dating. Just be like, yeah. well, I, that's it. We're done. I, as soon as I leave here, I'm not coming back here, barista. You know, <laughs> like it's it's been fun, but yeah. no more. I like that idea. Yeah. Did you, where, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Arizona. Oh, what part? Phoenix. You grew up in Phoenix? Yeah. Did you grow up there? No, but my ex... You know Janet Varney? Yeah. Yeah. I met her at a commercial audition. Janet's my ex-girlfriend. Because she, she did the Burning burning Love. Burning Love, yeah. Yeah, Janet, that's so funny. Also, one of the funniest people she's I know. She's so funny. And she's from Tucson. And so we were together a very long time. And so I must have spent like seven New Year's Eves in Tucson. But we would always drive and we'd go through Phoenix. Uh, yeah. and and uh, and I kind of I I really like Tucson. I never went to Tucson at an age that I can remember it. Okay. Um, it's funny because you know I grew up in an athletic family, and for a while that's kind of what I thought I was supposed to do. Like you know I played softball, which is kind of hilarious, mm-hmm. um, and then like <laughs> soccer and all these sports. And it wasn't until like my eighth grade year at that and at that time we lived in Houston that I kind of realized I wanted to do like music and dance and theater, mm-hmm. um, and so. But I still kind of followed in my sister's footsteps, who was a basketball player. And I was supposed to go had I gone to college to ASU, which I quickly would have discovered, I think, within like the first semester that I should have gone to U of A because that's more like the artsy school. And then oh, I think gotcha. I would have ended up in Tucson. Gotcha. But um, that's because that's where a lot of the girls on my dance team ended up going and they loved it. And a lot of people out here, like my manager, even you went to U of A, didn't you? Like a lot of people out here, and let's face it, like LA is a very art town, yeah. um, artsy town, went there if they went to college in Arizona. So, you know. Now, it's interesting that you say that you have a sportsy family because to me, and I don't know if anyone's ever told this before, your last name sounds like a trapeze family. Oh, my God. The no. Flying Melvins. Do you know, like, that could totally. Do you know what my last name means, according to my father? No. It's like a front wedgie. He would ask, he asked me and my sister one day, he's like, do you ever get made fun of for our last name? And we were both like, why? He goes, well, because you know, Melvin's front wedgie. Like he was a, a jock, though. So like I don't a, know if like that's a, a camel jock toe? thing. Kind of, I guess. Like a like a like a forcibly induced camel toe. It must be not just one that naturally occurred in the world, but one yeah, that was no, actually like one engineered. That was given. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An engineered camel toe is a Melvin. I don't know if I, I don't know if I've heard that before. <laughs> and now I've told everyone. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, if you want to change your name to Rachel Front Wedgie, it's, it's not off <laughs> it's the table. It's a little more catchy. It's a little more catchy. Yeah, yeah. and you could totally get that URL. I'm yeah, sure. right. I bet. <laughs> My God. Do you know, actually, going back to the Spotted Owl blog thing, I looked at, I think I looked at the spottedowl.com. Yeah. And it was like on bid for 20 grand. Uh huh. I don't know how that stuff works with web hostings, how domains can be so expensive. Well, they're not really. It's just that what happens is that, um, uh, someone squatted that because they thought it was a URL that they could that someone would want at some point. Right. And so, um, they're holding out for, they're holding out. Like, that's not, that's not a that's not a host company. That's not a domain company. That's, that's a greedy human grand. being. Yes, yeah, someone <laughs> some some people companies buy like swaths of 
you know, of URLs that they think are useful to someone. And then if you're like, I really want this, they're like, great, 20 grand. Um, and so. And that's how they make their living. That's how some people make, that's how some people make their living. Huh. Yeah. Well. So, sorry. Thank you for the lesson. No, I didn't no know that. Worries. No worries. <laughs> Anything you want to know about internet culture, I'll tell you. Nice. When in doubt, always bet on cats. Hey. <laughs> It's so true. What is with cats? People want to. People love cats. I'm allergic to them. Oh, it's a bummer. Uh, They're really cute, though. My manager, who I keep talking about, has two beautiful cats that she just adopted, and I probably can't pet them. No, you can't go near them. Yeah. What happens if you go near a cat? You know what's really strange is my throat closes. It's not like I'm licking the cat, so I don't really understand what that's about. But like my my voice drops like a couple octaves, and my throat gets scratchy, and then my eyes start to water. And then my nose gets stuffy. It's, I'm allergic to cats. Really Every time I go near one, my penis swells. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that's about. <laughs> that sounds like a problem. That was a no, really I get it. I get it. <laughs> I, I can't. I get it. Here's what you have to understand, Rachel. I just came off my show, which is very much like. Are you worried? I'm offended. Yes. I'm not. Okay. It's very much like 15-year-old boy dick joke humor. That's and okay. so I can't Some people it. have called me a 15-year-old boy. Okay, good. I, I, it's just that I, I, feel like we ha- I feel like our culture has an unnatural obsession with cats. Like, it's, it's a thing right now. Yes. Like I know it's kind of always been, but there's really a spotlight on it right now. It, it's really – I think it's beyond <laughs> what – I don't know if at any point in history people were this obsessed with anything yeah. as we are with cats. I know it's that. Gr- I feel like it's since the Grumpy Cat cat came along. It's before that. Grumpy Cat is Grumpy Cat is a byproduct of our cat centric culture. Uh, <laughs> cat centric culture, <laughs> but uh, it, amazing. It is strange. It's very strange, and there are. There's like Instagram accounts with millions of followers, and they literally the cats don't even do anything interesting. It's just no, like, I know cat in a sink. Okay, <laughs> you know, cool. five million views. There's a there's a I'm gonna say this. There's a Frenchie though that sleeps in the sink that I follow on Instagram, and I'll be honest, I don't know why. I feel powerless. I just hit follow, <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, that dog's so cute. Yeah, I, it's. I think ultimately someone, I don't know who, it could be terrorists or it could be cats themselves or cute puppies, are trying to undermine our society by diverting our attention and making us slobbering idiots like, look, it's so cute. I mean, I fall for it too. There, there was a fucking video of like, uh, puppy doesn't want to wake up from nap. I watched it four times. And just these, this this woman in Spanish just poking it. And did you see the one where? See now I'm gonna like prove your whole point. Did you see the one where they tickle the little dog's stomach and he goes? Oh, no, that's the cat. <laughs> that's that's the cat. a cat. Oh damn a it! Classic <laughs> internet video. Yes, a damn classic. It. Yeah, classic. No. Wow. It's so funny Rah. though. Yeah. Why is it so funny? I You're don't right. know. And some of this love spills into gerbils and hamsters and fennec foxes. <laughs> so it's um, it's weird. It is weird, but I don't mind it. I guess there are worse things. No, that's the worst thing. <laughs> it's the worst thing in our culture. <laughs> but we're Could contributing. Be. Could be. We're contributing Could be. to it. Did you have? Um, were you doing? Were you? You were on a soap opera. I was on a soap opera. How was that? It was a soap opera. Yeah, but it's a whole different animal. <laughs> no, it was. It was a lot of fun. I was on it for four years. Um, it was like my first big job. Um, and I learned a lot. You know, um, I days I, of our nine lives. I'm oh, sorry, that yeah. was a cat. That's one. I apologize. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of crying. I don't, I don't <laughs> miss it. <laughs> there was a lot of tears. Is, 
you, you show up every day and it's just like, here's your scenes. We're oh shooting them. Oh my God. The worst, like, here's the thing. Once you've done a soap opera, and I know people have said this, you can do anything. And the reason why is because you have so many different writers that are coming in and so many different directors. And a lot of times you have a lot of producers coming and going. And so like, there's so much inconsistency and regurgitated material that it gets so confusing and frustrating. Um... And I think I experienced that a lot in my last year in particular. We had a lot going on. The writer strike had just was going on and then ended. It was it was just a weird time. But um, you know, I, I was really young when I was on that show, and I think in in a way it was kind of like my my real life Saved by the Bell experience. <laughs> I mean, we, like I was in the teen storylines, and we got to do all these really like you know fun, silly sets and scenes. And I remember actually I remember the first time like my character had sex. Oh my god. My character had sex for the first time, and my parents are like very supportive of my career. They're wait, wait, so everything. your character? Wait, my are you saying for the first time she virginity. lost her virginity? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, like, I remember my dad had seen the episode, and he was like, "So Rachel, <laughs> I can't believe I'm sharing this story." <laughs> He's like, "So Rachel, I just, you know, you played that storyline, you know, very accurately." He was I'm just curious. Around. He's like, "I'm just curious how how you knew to play it so well." And I just looked at him, and I was literally leaving for the weekend with my boyfriend, and I looked at him, and I go, "Well, Dad." I'm not a virgin. <laughs> and then I left. And that's, <laughs> and that's how my parents found out that... Talk about spiking the ball. Oh, my God. It was so funny. But that's, like, the relationship I have with my family. And actually, I think that was, like, the start of us kind of easing into the whole, like, this is how my life is going to be. I kind of have to be an open book to be comfortable playing this. Yeah. Like, when I'm working... But I have to say, when we were watching the premiere, this is so funny. I brought my dad as my date. I have like a rotation, so it was his turn. And uh, Jim's character was talking about like like porking Harry's daughter, which of course is me. And I'm just sitting next to my dad, and I was like, I really hope my dad isn't like thinking about this visually. <laughs> which of course I'm sure he's not, because he's not a creep. I'm just a weirdo that like thinks of that. Of course. Um, but but it's just it's it's funny to. I don't know. I it was, that was one of the only times I got like really uncomfortable. I totally get it. You know, my my th- there were there were, there was a story in my stand up about this time that I almost lost my virginity when I was fifteen, and I describe it by saying that it almost happened because uh, the I was it was just about to happen, and I say something like. Uh, the train departed before it could make it to Hogwarts. Uh, and so I said, that in oh my front God. Of, I said that in front of my mom and I compare, I compare losing your virginity from a guy's point of view to finding platform nine and three quarters. Like it's a very, that <laughs> you can't see, you don't know. Right, right. So you just make a run at it. And, uh, and so, but you know, my mom would come to my shows and I would get really self-conscious and like, right. Hey, I don't want her knowing about the time I almost lost my virginity when I was 15 and B she certainly doesn't need to know the mechanics of it, but now she does. And fortunately, she was cool about it, but I completely understand. No, it's like, it's, yeah, it's like this weird thing. Like, you know, you know that happens. You don't want to think about it. Obviously, everyone knows that. But it's weird when, like, you know, there's going to be that time when I'm doing a film and, you know, you see that insinuation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know if I can have my parents in that room. Like, they can see it and I can pretend that they never saw it. Right. But it's it's weird. It's for sure strange. And you can live in denial and then when you go home for dinner, no one speaks and you just pass each other the food. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's probably better like, if no one speaks because we all Rachel, speak way too much. You're looking well. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of awkward, unspoken yeah. dialogue. Yeah. You know, it's so funny though because I think my dad actually has a very 
solid understanding and um, acceptance of it all because he actually majored in screenwriting and never pursued it. So I think it's very exciting for him, not in like a stage parent way, but it's very exciting for him that I'm experiencing all of this. And he's kind of like living vicariously through me and getting very excited. And um, my mom, it's so funny. Like my sister literally got both parts of my parents' athleticism and I got both parts of their artisticness. Uh And so she and I are nothing alike um, except for our humor, I guess. But um, now I've lost my train of thought cause I'm obviously so riveting to listen to. No, listen, I can tell you exactly <laughs> where you're going. You were talking about, uh, your parents and. Oh, right, right, right. So my mom, my mom, um, she wasn't like in the performing arts. She, she actually was a great physical artist, like a drawer. And she wrote for, I believe, the Daily Herald in Chicago, and she was a sports editor, so she's very good at writing. Yeah, so it's kind of, um, you know, lends itself to my career, I guess, in a little bit, in little ways. So I think it's it's exciting for them. Well, yeah, I mean, if if your parents are cool, they're going to want want you to be happy doing whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. So that's very... That's a good thing to have. It's yeah. a really it's a really good thing to have. They encouraged me not to get an education, which was the smartest thing they ever did. <laughs> <laughs> I did not go to college because they told me I shouldn't, which I well, think is they, awesome. It sounds like, you know, because they were, how old were your parents when you were born? I think my mom I think my mom was twenty seven when she had me, twenty four when she had my sister. Uh, well that's not that young. No, it's not it's, I mean I guess yeah, it's young. she wasn't she wasn't like a teenager or anything. It's young by our standards because Yeah, because wow. people have kids now at like forty. And yes, because Which we're is all, not old. No. No, it's fucking not. Uh, <laughs> so my my mom was twenty five when I was born. Uh-huh. And uh you know, so I I, I guess I, I think I think young would be like 16. Right. 17. Yeah. You know, uh, so I, I think that's a, I think that's a good age. And I think also just from having your parents sort of were, did they pursue the stuff that they want? Well, you said your dad didn't pursue Well, it was screening. interesting because my mom, when my mom and dad met each other, my dad was considering being a uh, pro NHL player. Oh, wow. Um, he still plays hockey to this day, but he broke his nose like six times. And I think if he broke it one more time, he literally wouldn't have a nose. So you'd have a face, Melvin. Yeah. <laughs> Good, good one. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and then uh, my mom was like approached. I actually I think it was on their honeymoon. She was approached by some modeling agency to to be a model, and they both kind of just were like, "No, we're in love." Mm-hmm. And then you know moved to the suburbs in in Illinois, and then had us. <laughs> um, and I, I you know I don't think that that's a decision they regret by any means, but I think it's really cool to them that you know. Um, my sister's a teacher and a basketball coach, and I think my dad is very proud of that, and my mom's very proud of that. And then, you know, here I am, like, actually succeeding as an actress, which I think is very cool to them. So in a weird way, I think they're, they actually did achieve their dreams because they have two daughters that have very fun um, professions that I think they were both interested in, but they also were able to, like, have a family, and they're still married. So, I mean, that's, like, a different... That's unheard of. I know. I'm very lucky. That's crazy. Yeah. What's the secret? What's I don't the secret know. to a long marriage? I don't know. They argue a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Not argue, they bicker. Sure. Um, but you know, the the truth is when my when I was born, I'm going to give you like a really detailed description of my parents' life. Lay it on me. So my mom was 27 as I said, 2 weeks or 2 months after I was born, she had a stroke. Jesus. It's crazy. So my and my sister had heart a heart murmur. So my dad and then and then my mom's father when my mom was in a coma passed away oh my god and then like a year before my dad's mom died so my dad's like this 27 28 year old guy 
the newborn baby with colic. I also had colic with colic. And then a three and a half year old girl who had a heart murmur. And then a wife in a coma, a dead father-in-law and a dead mom. So at that point, he just had to laugh. And <laughs> I mean, what else can <laughs> I mean, do? seriously, at that but point. So it's, it's kind of weird because it really does set a really high bar. Like my dad stuck around for all that. And my mom is like, my mom is a very sweet person, but I mean, a stroke completely changes you. She had it on her left side. So I believe like her patience and her, like, I think it was her short term memory and everything was just gone. And, you know, at the time, I don't think there was as much of awareness of like, don't, don't smoke when you're pregnant and all that. I don't believe she smoked when she was pregnant with me, but after I was born, she was smoking again. And I remember like, I guess my dad told me the story where she wanted her cigarettes and my dad got so mad at her and he threw him out the window and she like lost her shit on him because, and he was like, who is this person? Cause it's not the one I married. Oh wow! And I mean, those are some hardcore vows to like keep to when you end up, you know, a few years into your marriage, like with someone that was not the person you married because of a medical circumstance. Um, and I think because he like, he stood by her through all of that. And I mean, it just, you know, it's a lot to take on very early. And I think once you've overcome that, it's kind of a breeze from there on I think it's a lot to take on at any age. Yeah. Even any one of those things would have been a a lot to take on. So it sounds like, it sounds like both your parents are pretty amazing people. Pretty awesome. Your mom for pulling through that. Yeah. And then your dad. Oh, (laughs) And, and when I was born, I took out her uterus and bladder. Why would you do that? I didn't want to come out. I didn't That's want to let go. That's very selfish. I know. That's very selfish. You brought it out with you? I did. I just, it was like this little fetus just with a grip. Just holding on. Just holding on. <laughs> yeah. I guess at that point. And they're like, no, we have to put that back. Yep. Rachel. She went through a lot. That's, that's. Unbelievable! I was like the worst childbirth ever. <laughs> Why were you so selfish? So, I don't know. I'm not anymore. <laughs> Jeff Bridges, when he was on the podcast, talked about how you ex- there's this idea that you express throughout your life whatever happened during your childbirth. Oh, really? Yeah. And so he, what he's explained, made a lot. And maybe this is just us looking. Maybe for that explains points. why I hold grudges. <laughs> Or why know. you rip people's uteruses yeah. out of their body? Uh, do you hold you hold grudges? I I not in a vindictive way. I guess it's like I forgive, but I don't forget. So you do you do you feel like you are determined to achieve something no matter what? My manager's saying yes, so I guess so. All right. So basically, you're just like ripping the uterus out of life most yeah, of the time. Yeah, must be. Uh, I was <laughs> born early, and I'm Were very you? impatient. So, That's kind of cool, though. I like I like drawing those similarities from that. Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of fun. I do that a lot with astrology. I'm like really into that kind of stuff. Like I'm into astrology and like trying to you know make sense of things in a like, bigger philosophical way. I guess does it work though? Because I I just oh it's I, fun. It's just fun. Oh, okay, good. Because yeah, yeah. I I feel like it's one of those things. You know, I think people have such a desire to connect things. To this grander, like, oh, we have to, there has to be a purpose, there has to be, yeah, there yeah. has to be some sort of a universal connection point to everything. Um, I think there is in the form of uh, magnetism and molecules. But uh, <laughs> do you think, um, do you think that, you know, if, if you saw anything in a horoscope, you'd go, oh, yeah. No. Okay. I'm not one of those people. Okay. But I will say, so the, I feel like I'm talking about really depressing things. My aunt passed away like five years ago, and she was very into astrology. And so when she passed away, I was like, oh, I'll take it up in her honor. That's sweet. And so, right? <laughs> she was Aquarius. I'm Aquarius. And so I've like kind of gotten into it a little bit. 
Um, and it's most it's mostly fun, but I will say I have found like this one book. It's called The Secret Language of Birthdays, mm-hmm. and then there's another one called The Secret Language of Relationships, which I literally have never seen one that's not like a thousand percent true. It's kind of it kind of creeps me out. The Secret Language of Birthdays sounds really creepy, by the way. And if I were to sing the birthday <laughs> song, I would drop it down to a minor key if I were handing that book to someone. It's Happy so birthday to you. It's so interesting, though, because it like so my sister thinks that this is a load of shit. Right. And, and I think in most cases it can be. And it is for me. It's just mostly fun and interesting. But she read it and she's like, oh, my God, this is so true. And I'm like, right. But it's the only thing that I actually like as far as astrology goes is the only thing I swear by. I, you don't swear by anything else? Well, not astrology-wise. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if you're like, I don't believe in love, I don't believe in... <laughs> I don't swear by anything. <laughs> Just this one, this one book. <laughs> yeah. All the, all the secrets are up there. <laughs> have we, speaking of, have you seen Interstellar yet? I haven't seen it yet. Oh my God, mind-blowing. It's I, good. I can't talk about, like, like, even when I saw Gravity last year, I go into like this really crazy place. Like, I can't wrap my head around understanding, like, the infinite like possibilities of like this galaxy or universe no it's like, very it hard blows my mind no i i i asked neil degrasse tyson a noted uh a noted um astrophysicist why is that why is that the case where we cannot wrap our minds and and i think the answer was something along the lines of like there's just nothing to connect it to right like you know the way that people understand the the way that we understand the way that our brains understand things uh, are relate to connections connection points this this is similar to that and so that's how right. we kind of have a way into things but there's nothing else that we have i don't think too there's like a picture of infinity that we can like grasp do you know what i mean well it's a sideways eight <laughs> is that what that symbol okay. is That's what, i was just but being snarky no i i got it i got it um i don't know i just like it, like when i first saw gravity and i'm like watching it and like you know um George Clooney is like disappearing into the abyss. I'm just like, where did he go? Like, if the galaxy is never ending, like it's never ending, and I, my brain can't wrap my head around that. And then I'm, and then I start thinking things like, what if we've never actually been to the moon, right? And I'm totally not one of those people that doubts it, but like, I started thinking about it. I'm like, how do we know that you know we need oxygen to survive? Like these ridiculous things. Do you want me to but, really melt your brain? Kind of. There's a theory that potentially our universe is an elaborate computer simulation. What? That it's just basically a simulation playing out. That they could ultimately, with certain, for lack of a better term, subatomic math, potentially prove through quantum physics that maybe, if I'm understanding correctly, that, that this is basically an elaborate computer simulation. Like, I believe that it could be anything. <laughs> yeah. It could be. I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think that that's, like, the decision I finally arrived at after seeing, like, all of all of these, like, interstellar is, like, so hard to, like, it's it's hard to digest. Right. I think because there's a lot. I mean, I literally. I'm going out to the stars. <laughs> I don't know how, um, oh, my God, why am I like right. Anne Hathaway or Matthew McConaughey? Like, I don't, I don't know how they were able to complete their jobs because it was so confusing. And, you know, often you shoot things out of sequence. I'm like, I don't know how they kept everything straight and how they understood it because I understood the movie, but there's still a lot I didn't understand. Sure. 
Um, and I think a lot of people probably feel the same way. Or well, just movie science, you know, movie science. <laughs> science. You know, well, I, so when, when in did, doubt, wormholes, I always say with movie <laughs> that's science. That's what they talk about. I'm, I'm sure. That's yeah, because yeah, that's, I feel like you'll really enjoy it. I kind of want to, I kind of want to hear what you think after you see it. I will. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll definitely, you know, it's my fucking schedule. I never, <laughs> I had my first day off Saturday and I don't know how long. And I just laid in bed, which I don't think I've done. Certainly hasn't happened this year, but I just happened to have one day off after an insane. That's great. Several months, and so I. Uh, but but I could have gone to see a movie, but I was just like, I'm not leaving my house. No, don't be around people. <laughs> <laughs> They're smelly and the worst. No, you're around them all the time. I don't. I mean, like I I feel like. I love being in my house, but the same way I'm like, oh my God, I need to see people. Like, yeah. I feel like sometimes you need to be alone. First of all, they're smelly and they give you the Ebolas and <laughs> they're smelly <laughs> and they're the worst. Um, I, uh, I'm curious how, so, uh, so the, and if this is too personal, please, by all means, invite me to fuck off. I can't wait to hear this question. In, 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 so you grew up, basically there was this sort of nest of personal trauma which was essentially you know the uh, the the grout of your family unit right yeah did you feel that when you were growing up um I, you know i recently learned that my mom may have also had postpartum i think my grandma let that slip at her you know at her ever like she's getting up there mm-hmm. um i i don't know i mean i definitely think that I don't remember, I'll be quite honest, I don't remember a lot about my childhood and I don't know why that is. Um, I have a really bad memory, but, um, you just said that I, yeah, I, I, like, I can't even remember what happened last week, I swear. But, but I think that the one thing that probably hasn't changed since I came into this world with these crazy weirdos is that, um, there are like, there's four of us. I mean, it's me and my sister, my mom and my dad, and it feels like 12. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like whenever we're together, it's that scene from Home Alone before the McAllisters leave. Yes. And it's like Fuller spilling Coke on everything and everyone's yelling. That's my family. And I don't understand how four people can create that much chaos every day. <laughs> Do you crave chaos or stability? Um. Well, if you ask my family, I think that they would say I'm a little uptight. Like, I think... Uh, look, am I, am Why I, is your manager laughing? <laughs> probably because she agrees. Um, no, like my parents are very much like, here's what I will say. They prepared me very well to go with this business of being able to fly by the seat of your pants mm-hmm. because my parents won't be like, okay, so let's take Thanksgiving for instance. They won't be like, okay, dinner's going to be ready at four. You know, we'll go play football before and then everyone come and sit down and we'll watch the parade or whatever. It's just like, okay, dinner will br- probably be ready between four and five. So me and my sister are like, okay, we have till 8 PM. <laughs> and it's just like, and like, and like my parents will, or here's a perfect example. When they came in for the premiere, they were like, we're going to come in Saturday. Okay. They ended up coming in Sunday at, at 4 p.m. <laughs> and my boy, my boyfriend the whole time is like, when are your parents coming? When are your parents coming? And I'm like, you can't make plans with them. They just do what they want and you're ready for anything. Mm-hmm. And my sister and I are kind of, I think because we grew, we grew up with that and we appreciate it sometimes. I think we crave a little more structure. Mm-hmm. So we try to have that in our households. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. It's funny to, it's always interesting like what, traits you you re-express from mm-hmm. your family and what 
traits you rebel against yeah. from in, in your family. But I almost kind of feel like it's not as black and white as that. Is that even though you think you might be rebelling against something, you might actually be expressing the same things. In other words... In a different way. Yeah, in a different way. It's like your, you know, your dad, uh, whatever, always... Every towel had to be folded in the house, and so. But he when he was very stubborn, and you're like, I'm never going to fold towels. But you're being stubborn about it, right? So you're just you're expressing the same thing, just that's about just about something else. Yeah, that's you know? really interesting. Because I know that my dad, we do we we say he has the sweep, which is where like he just goes through the whole house and cleans up everything and puts it in a giant pile and then puts it in whoever's room it is. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm very much that way. Like sweep. I am such a clean a clean freak. Like both with you know actually like cleaning, like having clean countertops and like not having my shoes where they don't belong, like in my closet. Mm-hmm. And so now that I live with my boyfriend, it's very much been like he's very clean, but he's not neat. Mm-hmm. So every day I'm like, I don't understand why you can't just put your clothes in the hamper. Like, why aren't they on the floor next to the hamper? Just put them in the hamper. Mm -hmm. And I know my dad's very much like that. And my mom, I think, used to be like that before her stroke. And now she kind of, like, the doctor told my dad, like, she'll start projects and then she'll never finish them. Mm -hmm. Or she won't finish them for a while. So there'll be, like, little piles of different things that she's planning on doing, but they sit there for a really long time. And it drives my dad crazy. And then he loses his mind and does the sweep. So I know I get that from him. Do you, what, what's, what have you swept lately? Oh my God. Yesterday, like, <laughs> this is so dumb. So I usually carry this sippy cup around. So like, cause I, I have this theory that people drink more water if they're drinking out of a straw mm-hmm. and this, this is going to obviously have some sexual connotations, but it's because like when we're born, the first thing we learn to do is suck. Mm-hmm. Like that's a natural yeah thing to like lift a bottle and like crane your neck back is very unnatural and for me it's like really uncomfortable so i never drink water unless it's in a sippy cup with a straw this is a good theory right so so it doesn't explain why i put lube on my water bottles so my boyfriend as much as he made fun of me for it also had his like own squirt bottle and then we had a puppy we have a puppy and he chewed the top of it so now he's been using just like regular glasses with straws but he doesn't use the same glass over and over again there's just like glasses everywhere mm-hmm. like on on the headboard well, and in the kitchen and like no it drives me nuts so i cleaned up all of his glasses and then like he has like a shoe pile by the door, but he has like an elaborate shoe tree in our mm-hmm. office. So I'm like, I don't understand why you don't just put him in the shoe tree. So I cleaned up all of his shoes. I mean, <laughs> just, just a bunch of like crap that hadn't been picked up. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you guys been living together? A year almost. A year. It's, it's been an experience. Living with someone? <laughs> yeah. It is. Like I'm it, not good at living with people. It's hard, especially because... There is an element of living with someone, the, the, the roommate element of living with someone where it's just the basic day to day. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can be super compatible with someone like out in the world, but the fucking living space where it's yeah. like, oh, you sleep on that side of the bed and yeah. you leave that there. Interesting. You know, like that's where it really starts to violate your core belief <laughs> yeah, system. It's so true. And you almost feel like even though the other person is doing nothing wrong, by the universe's standards. <laughs> Correct. It's very violating. Correct. It's almost like getting pissed. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is a similar example of getting mad at someone for being annoying when it's not their fault. Sure. <laughs> if, if you're uh, in a hotel and you're on the top floor and the f- elevator stops on every floor, 
by like the eighth time, you fucking hate the person who gets on, right. even though it's not their fault. They right. have every right to go down, but they're still like, I fucking gotta go. Like, you know, yeah. that's a perfect example yep. of someone just living their lives, but it's encroaching on. Exactly. And it's totally selfish. I admit that. But like, that's why I say like, I'm, I'm, I'm not easy to live with because I'm very uptight in that regard. Mm-hmm. I like things. I'm Monica from Friends. Of course. Maybe. Well, who would you be from the Sex in the City? Uh, Charlotte? <laughs> no, I'm actually Samantha. Not because I'm slutty, but because I'm very politically incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> there is no censor. That, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think so, but people tell me there is. <laughs> <laughs> but the world has yeah, different the world ideas. Has different ideas, exactly. You can say whatever you want on the Spotted Owl blog. I do. I try. I think that's great. I mean, it's that's. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar at all with my company, but that's how it started. It started as basically a like mm-hmm. a blog of things that I was interested in. So I'm going to ask you a question, please, because I'm curious to co- to compare stories. How did you like come up? Like, what was the idea behind creating that initially? Were you just like? Because for me, it was like, truthfully, I was really bored and I needed to do something with my time to feel important and productive. So That's I, I kind of just created it to feel like I was working when I wasn't. That's part of it. You know, for me, I had been working in television for a very long time. Um, I, well, I, I mean, at the time I was unemployed and I was actually with Janet at the time that I started everything. And, you know, this is the kind of thing where I've been working. I, I, I was not getting jobs that I didn't even want, but still feeling bad about it. Mm-hmm. And so... hate I, that feeling. It's the terrible. It's the worst. Like, I feel... I didn't even want this. Yeah. God damn it. Why didn't they, they want me? They rejected me. Yeah. I didn't even want to How go in. How fucking dare you? It's the worst. Okay, I'll come back and do... I'll do a smaller Whatever part. Whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was tired of feeling like that because, you know, I, I just don't like feeling like... Um, I don't feeling... I don't like feeling like a piece of kelp drifting around you know with the varying moods of the of the entertainment business tides yeah and so you know one day i, I kind of just I, I i had already been working in television for like 13 years but i, I was on i was unemployed at the time and i guess I, I just said you know and i for a very i don't know for like a month or two i'd been very stressed i didn't know what i was going to do and i wasn't selling tickets on the road doing stand-up as much or at all and so i was really freaking out and jan and i had a house and we were to pay for and i just was like what am i gonna do Mm -hmm. and i woke up one morning um in 2007 and just was like you know these are my skill sets these are the areas of interest that i have so how can i apply those skill sets to the things that i care about and ultimately that that was it and then i decided i was only gonna focus on things that I cared about or things that made me happy. Right. And so I stopped auditioning for stuff that I didn't want to do and I stopped trying to get jobs that I didn't want and I started turning down things when I technically shouldn't have been turning them down, financially shouldn't have been turning them down, but basically just like these are the sphere of things that I want to do. And that was it. And then then ultimately, whereas you kind of might say like, well, why would you work why would you cut down your possibilities if you're already not working? Doesn't that seem... But actually, it, it gave me focus because mm-hmm. when you're pursuing things that you care about, it doesn't really seem like work. That's when you, when you get the best creative spurts. And so 
that I mean, ultimately, that that was it. So you doing that because you're bored and you're trying to pursue something that you're very excited about, that you're passionate about, is the, probably one of the best things that you will ever do. Well, I always feel. Well, I think a big part of it for me too was. I mean, we're in a business that you have. At least when you're starting out for a while, you have very little control over. And even even after a long time, you still don't always have control over Right. It. And so I think when you, when you give yourself control in the little ways, like what do I really want to do yes. versus what do I feel like I have to do, mm-hmm. I think it, it lends itself to what you're saying where you can really like hone in on what you want to focus on and then – that gets better. Well, yeah, and not to get all hippy dippy about it, but get hippy dippy. Um, hey, man, why can't we all just <laughs> instead of money have hugs? Um, but I, I, I think ultimately, when you're in a place where you're feeling comfortable and empowered, uh, I feel like that gives you a different energy in the rest of the world, yeah. and then that attracts better things. Not in a magical way, but just in a just in a way where well, you have confidence. And you have confidence, and you know. And I think confidence comes from being comfortable and also feeling like you have options. And so I think that just people recognize that. And as beings, we are attracted to people and things that we think have answers that we don't have because we're all scared. And, um, you know, so I think making those choices, any little places where you can get comfortable or, or confident or feel empowered, you know, like they all start to add up. Yeah. And then you start seeking those out and then – then those things, I think, start coming to you because you're paying attention to them. I don't know if, if you felt the same way, but like before I booked Dumb and Dumber, like I, I can relate to what you were saying kind of like, I, I don't know if this was your exact circumstance, but, but like my money that I had saved from Days of Our Lives was like running out. I wasn't getting, I mean, there was like, there was like a slow in as there was a slowdown for the amount of work that I had been getting versus that I was getting. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't working as much. And when I did work, I wasn't getting paid as much as I used to. Right. So, um, I had to like actually face the facts and realize like I had to go back and work in a restaurant, which at the time I was like, this is the worst thing in the world, which of course it's not the worst thing in the world, but I'd been working and and living as an actor for like eight and a half, nine years. Worse in the sense that you all of a sudden were facing the fact that your the your dreams may not be panning out. Yeah. Well I felt like I I felt like I was starting from the beginning and I was like, okay, I've been out here for ten years and I'm starting over. Like what's the point? And I think I think that's when I kind of had the moment of feeling like I was quote unquote at rock bottom. Um it's not like I was, you know, in a really dark place and like contemplating what to do with my life. It was more of, it was more of like, okay, these are the facts of life and I have to grow up and be an adult and actually like decide if I, if I really want to, like, this is the test. Do I really want to stick this out? Do I really believe in myself enough to like do whatever it takes, like sleep in a car or whatever I have to do? Or do I just like go home and throw away the last 10 years? And so ultimately, obviously I decided it wasn't going to, you know, make the 10 years for nothing. So (laughs) it was like around the holidays, it was, I think like, in October or something. And, um, I had put out and I hadn't worked at a restaurant in 10 years. So I'm like, you know, completely making up a resume with the help of some friends and trying to get a job as, as a waitress. And all I could get was like a host job, which I finally got. And I was so grateful for. And then, um, and then I had this commercial audition one day and I was kind of in a crap mood, I guess, but not a crap mood. It wasn't like a negative mood. I was just kind of like over things. Mm -hmm. And, 
I ran into Rick Montgomery, who was casting this Dodge commercial. And he actually started, he saw something in me in that day and was like carrying on a conversation and then invited me to come audition for Dumb and Dumber 2. And I'm like, cool. But, you know, having like actually listened to one of your podcasts with um, Tom Bergeron, Mm -hmm. where you guys were saying this exact thing, like you learn not to get too excited. Of course. Which sucks, but like that's kind of like your survival mode. It's a protective thing. Yeah. So I... I was trying not to get too excited by it. Um, and I, I, you know, I ended up going back to work in a restaurant as if that was going to be the next, however long. And it ended up not being that bad. And like my first day of orientation was my first producer session with Bobby and Pete. And again, I went in there and at that point there were like all these recognizable actresses in the waiting room. And I was like, normally they would have totally psyched me out. But at that point I thought the worst has happened to me that I thought could possibly happen. I have to go back and work in a restaurant and small, tiny violin playing, but I realized it wasn't really that bad. You mm-hmm. know, it wasn't as scary as it had been in my head. So at that point, I'm really like, well, I have nothing left to lose. And so that kind of gave me the freedom to like be confident in a really weird way. Yeah. I would have expected to feel like a, a giant failure. And I ended up feeling very empowered in some strange way. Um, and I really believe if that hadn't happened, the auditions wouldn't have gone well. I just, you know, there was like this weird carefree excitement that I think I finally had again versus like the stress to like book a job and have money and not have to work in a restaurant. Well, yeah, because like you said, in, in, in your performer brain, the worst thing happened, which was like, I had to go get a regular job instead of being able to, you know, live the luxury life of being, (laughs) getting to act in things. Yes. And once you realize that that was okay, I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, if I just have to do this, it's still okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Except for the fact my boyfriend's leaving glasses all over the fucking house. Like, other than that... At that point, I had actually... This was crazy. At that point, I had actually moved in with him and was subletting my place. Because I couldn't even afford to move. Like, I could not afford to, like, hire a moving truck or put, like, a down payment on a new place or whatever I needed to do. So I ended up moving in with him and his roommate, which was just hell. <laughs> it was the worst thing ever. Oh, my God. It was the worst month of my life. And that was over the holidays. And... um and then a month later, you know, every serious question. If you took all the glasses out of your house, do you think he'd start drinking out of shoes and leaving? Those <laughs> no, okay. he's, he's a little too grossed out by things that touch the floor. He's really weird about things that touch the floor. Like if my shoe, my heel is on the bed, he's like, what is your heel doing on the bed? Mm-hmm. He's like, it's dirt. It's touched the street. I'm like, so is the dog's paws and you're letting them sleep in the bed. But they're adorable. They are much cuter than I am. No, I meant the shoes. Oh. They're more adorable than the shoes. I do have cute shoes. You got cute shoes. Are they puppies? <laughs> they're made of puppies. No. They would never be made of puppies. Is it weird? Like, okay, I'm going to share this giant fear I had. This is probably really dark and strange, but I was driving the other day and my parents got me this beautiful vintage fur coat and I'm thinking I can never wear it because... Once this movie comes out, if people see me wearing fur, like, I don't know, I feel like it would be the end of the world, right? So I'm like, what if someone like got so offended by the fact if I just wore it anyway and someone got so offended, this is so dark. And I was like, and to prove a point, like someone killed one of my dogs and like skinned them and then like made a jacket out of it and was like, would you wear this? Is that like such a crazy thought to have? No, but now you've put that idea in the world. Because I I have this theory that if I acknowledge like my deepest fears, they won't come to fruition. Interesting. Like if I verbalize them. That's funny because sometimes people will not verbalize things for the opposite reason. 
but they're afraid oh, that, that if they say them out loud that they might that they might make it come true but i like the idea i think it's much healthier to verbalize your fears to get, oh, i look to get, them in the eye and i'm like power over them. not own me it's like the episode of the simpsons with all the dogs where they're gonna <laughs> make that a, one what i don't know that it's one. it's a classic episode it's a it's basically a take off 101 dalmatians where Santa's little helper gets another dog pregnant, and she has all these puppies, and Mr. Burns kidnaps them, and he's going to make a coat out of out of all the dogs. And there's a big musical numbers. Oh my it's, god, I have to see this. Yes, no, I've it's, never it's seen a, it. It is a classic Simpsons episode. I can't so now you can now you can it. go home now you can go home and watch that. I also want to watch 101 Dalmatians again. It's a good one. Jungle Book's the best, though. You know, I've never seen Jungle Book or Mary Poppins. God damn it! Isn't that crazy? I'm just dealing with this right now. I'm I'm dealing with it, too. I'm processing this information. I feel like my parents did not do a good job in that area. But I did see Stand By Me. It was my favorite movie when I was two. How do I know that? I re- that's that's one random thing I remember from my childhood that I otherwise never remember. That's adorable. Yeah, I, I think I had a crush on River Phoenix, and I loved the leech scene. I don't know why. Yeah, it fascinated me because it was dirty guys getting their penises eaten by <laughs> leeches. <laughs> I don't know if I hated men that much, <laughs> especially at that age. My my one of my oldest friends in the world was in that movie and. To this day, I think if if I if you make a leech joke, he's just like, all right. Wait, who? Will. Oh, I thought he was gonna say your buddy, Jerry. Well, there can only be th- there's only three others, <laughs> unless you're talking about Keith Jerry, Sutherland, Jerry O'Connell, Jerry O'Connell, Jerry O'Connell, Jerry O'Connell. Who or, I hear is uh, the sweetest person in the he's world. He's amazingly sweet. She grew up with Corey him. Feldman, who I don't know. I don't know him either. Uh, Richard Dreyfus, who of course did the voiceover. I met his daughter. What? Yeah, I don't know. I just a while ago. Richarda. I can't remember her name. Oh, that's probably Richarda. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> Let's just say it I is. think that sounds familiar. Sounds good. Right? That sounds good. That's pretty funny. Um, well, I, we're, this would, are, you, are you ready for this? Yeah. That was an hour. That just are you, flew are you by. surprised? Girls talk a lot. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it just like flew by. I'm sorry. <laughs> it flew but I just mean like we just, like it didn't seem like any time at all. Well, that's good, right? I'm saying that as a positive oh, thing. Oh, okay, good. But that's interesting that you took that as a negative thing two times. Um, I think that's how I'm programmed now. I had someone tell me that, like, well, it was the director I just worked with. He told me he's like, um, he gave me a compliment. And I was like, oh, thanks. And he's like, you actors. He goes, you only believe the negative things about you. And I'm like, yeah, that's 100% true. I don't know why. Well, because, okay. (laughs) Part of what makes you a performer is that you're sensitive to the world. Right, uh-huh. you're constantly analyzing the world. You're sensitive to the world. You're sensitive. You're empathic. You you absorb things around you. You're 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 sensitive. You're basically we're basically just these raw nerves that are just absorbing the world around us, and we're re-expressing them. Yes. that's what makes you a. That's one of the mechanisms that makes you a performer. The 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 downside to that is that you're sensitive <laughs> and insecure. Is that you're all of those things. <laughs> no, because you're, it makes you sensitive and insecure as a person because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're just hypersensitive to the world. So, you know, and what we do, it's, there's, there's not really a, an easy way to measure whether or not we're doing what we do well. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very difficult to measure right. success. It's very difficult to measure if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing because uh, the, the, the product is an intangible thing. Mm-hmm. So we don't ever really know. It's sort of like 
you know, it's sort of like Marco Polo, mm-hmm. where you're like, I think there's no I'm, right or wrong. I way. don't know. Yeah. And so we just never know. We never know. And so, you know, that's why everyone kind of has their own way of how they seek validation and whatever it is that we're doing. And so I, I think that's probably why that's that way yeah. is that you believe the negative, you, like you look at the negative stuff because you're insecure and you're sensitive. And so you're like, Fuck yeah, of course. And, but you know, just so you know, literally almost everyone on the planet has that feeling where they think that someone's going to tap them on the shoulder and say, uh, that'll do. We've discovered that you're a complete fraud. <laughs> uh, but it's not the case. That's it's good. not the case. So because we all kind of have that fear, we look at people like on the internet or wherever or reviews or whatever. And we're like, that's the person tapping me on the shoulder. But you don't know. Like, you're giving that person so much more credence than they necessarily deserve. You right. don't know anything about them. Yeah. You don't know what their mental state is. I also try what to think. What if that person was Hitler? <laughs> what if Hitler was reviewing you in a thing and you're like, oh, this person has a lot of good points. And you're like, hey, by the way, that's Hitler. What the fuck? Yeah. Fuck that exactly. guy. Like, then exactly. you care. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a good point. And you'd be like, Hitler, right. why did you fake your death and become a critic? From now on, I'm just going to always assume it's Hitler back from the dead. Well, me. because that's because that was his secondary plan is to take down the Jews by giving them bad reviews. <laughs> oh, my God. You're so funny. <laughs> I don't know if that's... <laughs> I get so jealous of people that are funny because I feel like... I, I feel like I'm not as quick. Like when I was working with Jim and Jeff, Jim is so quick. And they also have, they've been friends for 20 some years. I mean, they're both so brilliant. But when, I mean, even when we were like doing the press line, like I think the question that keep com- came that kept coming up was, what's the dumbest thing you've ever done? <sighs> and of course I'm sitting there like really trying to think. And Jim's like, I don't talk about my love life. And I'm like, why couldn't I think of that? I mean, obviously, I'm not Jim Carrey. But no, you could just say one time I sat in a press junket and someone asked me a stupid question. You know, it's like, and then I had to even, answer it. But see, like, you thought of that in no time at all. Like, I just, uh, on the spot, I'm, I'm no good. No, I think, just say the first thing that comes into your mind. That's a good, that's a good piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can always apologize later if someone's like, what? I feel like this session has been, like, very therapeutic in some ways. I'm glad that you used the word session. <laughs> well, I knew I was going to say therapeutic. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Um, I'll send you a bill. It's one hundred forty-five dollars an you. hour. Thank you very much. Do you feel good? Do you feel better? I mean, the fa- you know you're in the, you're in Dumb and Dumber Two, and you were great in it, and and Thank I hope you. it was fun, and I hope. Are you working on other stuff now? Is there anything else? Um, yeah, I did a couple indies earlier this year. One's called Mad Town with my love and Tamelia, who is just super lovely to work with. Um, it's actually. It's like a dark. It's like a little darker film. Um, Milo plays an aspiring comedian who has a really dark past okay. um, that catches up with him, and I play his love interest. And then I just wrapped a psychological thriller called mm-hmm. Sleepwalker with Anna O'Reilly. Excellent. Yeah, that was really fun too. Great script. Oh, yeah, I'm really excited out? for that one. I'm I'm sure next year. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping. That's a safe assumption. If you just wrapped it, it's probably yeah. not going to come out yeah, before right? Christmas. Well, that'd, that'd be, be really impressive. If that would did. be incredible. That'd be super impressive. Oh yeah, the movie was live. Yeah, <laughs> it's already out. Yeah, we streamed it. <laughs> Whole thing. That'd be awesome. <laughs> why hasn't anyone done that yet? I'm sure they have. That's why I love doing either. I, you know, one one of the shows I do is live, and the other one's almost live. It's like you can't think about it. it you just do it. And it's done. <laughs> yeah. You can't be like, what's what did they use? What's going to happen? What are they? It's the best though too, because I feel like it really does force you to be in the moment. And I think that's what so many people forget to do. You know what the downside of that is though, Uh-oh. is then your memory starts being in the moment and you fucking forget things that just like you, I, that's my problem. 
Then that's my problem. That's why I can never remember anything because I'm living in the moment. You're, you're so in the moment. I'm so in the moment, There's no man. long-term, man. <laughs> well, yeah. It's been wonderful to have you here. People should go, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that you are the Rachel Melvin on Twitter. Correct. And is it the Spotted Owl? It is just Spotted Owl blog. Spotted Owl blog. Dot com. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm one for two. Yeah. I should have put that, but I don't think it was available. My mm. mom was like, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. I can't change it now, but thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Shit on all the work that I've been doing on the side. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Rachel Melvin, a pleasure to have you here. Chris Hardwick, thank you very much. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. <laughs> Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This mother Lied like a liar. Like a liar. And if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal, or you love to hop in the Wayback Machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes, you should tune in to our podcast, Morbid. Follow Morbid on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to episodes early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.